You know, I read Charles Spurgeon. Uh, I think Audrey got me one of his devotionals several years ago, and, and I was thumbing through Christmas Eve, or New Year's Eve, excuse me, and, and he was talking about the new year and what's really, really important. And so I, I decided today and next week to talk about God's will because I think that's kind of a big deal as we start the new year. So the two scriptures that we're looking at today is Ephesians 5.17 and Romans 8.26 and then next week 27 and 28 on Romans. But I want us to think about God's will, uh, not only in this sermon, but the rest of the year. And that's why I put it first. You know, I, you, know you can Google all kinds of stuff on the Internet. And uh, one thing that I Googled was the top 10 New Year's resolutions. And this is, was a compiled list of what I found. I didn't spend hours on it, but just kind of give you an overview. The number one was exercise more. Nothing wrong with exercise, right? It's good for you. You should be doing it. And by next week, you make a commitment today. By next week, you won't be doing it anymore. Trust me. Uh, the second one is lose weight. Yeah, I went to the doctor, and I found out what my weight was, and I go, okay, no more Coke. I got to come back off that because I had gained like 15 pounds, and I was like, whoa. So, yeah, one of my goals is to lose weight. Matter of fact, I have not had a soft drink since December 12th. So... My New Year's resolution was early. I just decided. I don't know how many pounds I've lost, but we're getting there. Get organized. Get organized. Buy all kinds of stuff. Get organized. Get your life organized. Good, good plan. Learn a new skill or trade. That came up number four. Uh, nothing wrong with going back to school and, and helping your career or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Number five was enjoy life. Take time to enjoy life. Get off your iPhones, get off your iPads, and just enjoy life. That's good. I don't have any problem with that. Number six, save money. All of us should be doing that. I think the financial advisors say you're supposed to have $1,000 in ready reserve. And if something happens to you, you're supposed to have six months' salary saved up. I don't know how you do that, but... Uh, <laughs> unless you don't eat this week and next week. Uh, number seven, stop a bad habit. Smoking, drinking, whatever it is. Uh, sometimes it can be overeating too, right? That's a, that's a bad habit. Number eight, more time with family. Men, we're probably more guilty of this than anybody else. We gotta work, we gotta work, we gotta work, we gotta work. Family's off to the side. Please take time this year. I think it's a, it's a godly value to spend more time with your family. Number nine, travel more. Go to Paris, go to London, go to France. Don't, don't, don't go to France. No, just kidding. <laughs> Number 10, read more. Nothing wrong with any of this list. And then I Googled it and came up this. These were the top 10 that, that people made a resolution. But you know what should be number one on this list? It's thinking about God's will. And so today, I simply want to set us back for a moment as we begin this new year, this is the first sermon of the new year, to begin thinking about God's will. Just keep it out there on your minds. Okay, so we seek God's will, and this comes from Ephesians 5.17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the, what 
the will of the Lord is. Shouldn't drop a sermon without context. If you look at Ephesians chapter 5, you'll see right at the beginning, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. That sets the stage for everything that follows here. We are then told to walk in love in 5.2. We are told to walk as children of light in 5.8. We are to walk carefully in 5.15. So all of these must be tied to something. And we drop in now in verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This do not be is the word for do not become. So in other words, there could be a starting place in your life when, when you start moving and becoming foolish. So part of knowing the will of God is to say, I am not going to become foolish. I'm not going to move in that direction. And trust me, we can get there pretty easily when we take our eyes off, off Christ. And then he uses the word aphron, which is the word foolish which means senseless and unwise. So there is a situation when believers can move into the realm of being unwise. And I think a lot of this, a lot of this deals with the fact that we just make decisions at a rapid pace. And sometimes that gets us in trouble. Sometimes that is very unwise. Sometimes we should not be doing that. But what happens is, rather than taking a minute, and I think this is, a, I think it's simple, yes, maybe difficult to play out at times, but simply stop and think about what would God have me to do here. I think just, just a momentary pause rather than boom, 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 making, making decisions left and right without even thinking about God's will. And brothers and sisters, I've seen people get in trouble doing that. And so you start becoming unwise. You start becoming foolish in the way that you act. Peter O'Brien was right in his commentary. This person, he refuses to acknowledge dependence on God and acts foolishly and improperly. This person lacks discernment in practical, everyday living. He is exactly right. Newsflash. We are totally dependent on God. And if we're therefore totally dependent on God, it would make sense that the first thing that we want to do is ask him about a situation so that we do not start acting foolishly and improperly, just doing things. And it's, it's, it's like when you, when you, you get situations in, in, in front of you and you just immediately make a situation. I, the, what I'm really trying to get you to do is this. Pause. And think. What would God do? do? Is this a foolish decision that I have to make? Is this something that is not going to help me? Um, first Peter. This is uh, First Peter chapter 2, particularly verse 15. For this is the will of God. Will of God is throughout the Bible. That by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. We do not reside here. We do not reside in a foolish people. We are wise people. We do good. We focus on the will of God. You say, well, Pastor Mike, what is the will of God? I'm going to tell you quite simply, you pretty much know the will of God for your life. You pretty much know it. 
and I, you've heard me say this in 12 years of ministry. I bet you right now, and if we just pulled our resources together, we could probably come up with 30 things that we know is absolutely the will of God in our lives. Number one, is it God's will to worship? Yes. Is it God's will to tell other people about Jesus? Yes. Is it God's will that we love one another? Yes. I mean, the, I mean you could, and I'm telling you, because this is, this is basically what we're looking at here, is the objective will of God. Not the subjective. I'll get to that in Romans. But the objective will of God is the outward movement. I think this is right. God's will, at least objectively, that is what we can see, how we do, how we act, is equal to our walk. So when he says, therefore, do not be unwise or foolish, he is making a reference to the walk. Listen to what, what, what was already said in, in 5.1, Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, be imitators of God. That's objective. That is outside. So when I say be imitators of God, well, then my immediate question is, how did Jesus act when he was here? And when you see how Jesus acts, then you act like Jesus. And when you read the scriptures, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't give an escape clause that we could hate our neighbor and do bad to them. That was not an escape clause. That's what Jesus did. Look at Jesus suffering on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So all this is objective. Walk in love, Ephesians 5.2. Walk as children of light in Ephesians 5.8. Walk carefully, 5.15. So yes, yes, God's will equals our walk. Or you can say our walk should equal God's will. Very, very, very easy. And so pe people say, well, Pastor... How do I know what the will of God is? Well, I can tell you one way that's the will of God is just read the Bible. Look at the wives, submit to your husbands. I'm not, I'm not picking on the wives, but I'm just reading. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. That's something that we do. And wives, if you do that, then you are doing the will of God. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. In doing that, you are doing the will of God. Every, th this is all action-based here. We, I, we get this idea that God's will is you go down this corridor, you turn right, you turn left, you turn left, and it's like this big maze. It's not a maze. We make it a maze. I can't possibly know God's will, so I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> That's the key. See, the key is if, if you have a decision to make, go here. God, God will direct. I foolishly believe that the Holy Spirit will tell us what to do when we need to do it. But we have to pause. We have to pause and go, God, particularly on majors, what is your will here? That's a little more subjective. We'll get into that in a minute. But he goes on to say, and talks about insight in 17b. But understand what the will of the Lord is. So, 
when I study this, the first question I ask is, so that means I can understand what the will of God is, right? But understand what the will of the Lord is. So the Apostle Paul is saying that it is possible to know the will of the Lord. I, that's the first question that popped my mind. Well, if it's a command, he would give us a command that we were able to follow and obey. Just like Jesus, love one another. Wasn't an option. He didn't give us three different categories and say, you pick one. It was love, right? So here he's saying that it is possible to know the will of God. Or what the, what the I'm going to, it's going to be boiled down so simply in, in just a minute, you'll go, bam, okay, I get it now. But understand, sumiami is the word for understand. And listen to this. To employ our capacity for understanding and thus arrive at insight. Let me, let, let me say that again. To employ our capacity for understanding and thus arrive at insight. Now, in some sense, this does require cognitive understanding. I'm taking this in the sense of the whole of Ephesians chapter 5 when Paul is talking about our walk. So when we see a circumstance or situation that we're confronted with, we have to engage that with what does God want? How would God have us act? If Ephesians 5, 1, I think the banner is, therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And then he mentions the word here, will. Thelema. Thelema. And this is the will of the Lord, what the will of the Lord is. And this word refers to the desire of the Lord. You could read it this way. But understand what the desire of the Lord is. Does that kind of clarify it there? Because now we are really talking about the will of God in the sense of pleasing him. In fact, I wrote it here, therefore, what pleases the Lord. That no one, this is from 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter's tied here a little bit with the, with the language. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of the flesh, but to the will of God. <laughs> See, this, this right here shows that there is an arena in which we understand the will of God, in which we walk in that arena. When we walk outside of that arena, we get into trouble. Then we start catering to the sarks. The sarks is the flesh. And when we start catering to the flesh, then we go back and we, we, were, we are reminded, do not be foolish, do not be unwise, do not be like the lost. And you can get into trouble that way. So let me, let me play this out. This is not an extensive list, obviously. Just some thoughts, how you interact with this. Number one, your boss wants you to lie for him. Number one, your boss wants you to lie for him. Immediately and instinctively, we know that we can't, we're not supposed to lie, right? However, what happens if we don't lie for our boss? Your boss could get mad at you and fire you. 
This is the Christian dilemma. My head, your head, mine, all, I'm just saying me, but all of us, my head tells me, uh-uh. But my wallet tells me, right? Let me ask, let me throw this back at you. If we do what God wants us to do, do you think that God will take care of the other end of it? Yes. So in this case, I just tell your boss, I'm sorry, I can't lie for you. Um, it goes against my conscience. It goes against my, my beliefs. And you have to leave it there. You may wind up, you may wind up unemployed. But I'm going to tell you this. Whenever you do right, God will take care of you. A second one, this is much easier. I know some of your eyes get really big. My boss did that. He asked me to do that. Uh, people are gossiping at the water cooler. This is a Michael Jordan slam dunk, right? This is pretty easy. You don't get involved in, you don't get involved in the water cooler gossip and get in there because we know that the Bible says don't gossip, right? That is, that is the will of God. Number three, you find a briefcase with money. What do you do? Actually, something like this happened to me when I was in the Army. And I was at, um, it wasn't a briefcase. But, and this was before I was a pastor, so don't, don't think it was just because I was a pastor. I was walking up the steps, and I think I was going to S2. And right in front of me was a $100 bill that had been dropped. So I picked it up. And I started walking through the offices and said, did anybody lose a $100 bill? Finally, one officer said, yes, that was mine. I had my wallet out, was fumbling with it, and I gave him the $100. I probably just lost whatever reward I had telling you that, but I wanted to use that as an example. You find a briefcase with money, you try to look through the briefcase to see if there's any information on it, and then you shut it and you return it to the person. That's what you're supposed to do. You know, these may seem like little things, right? These may seem like little things, but I'm going to tell you, if God can't trust you in the little things, is he going to trust you in the big things? That's the will of God. Focus on the will of God. You received the wrong change. Have you ever had that happen? I bet you everybody in here has had it happen. I'm sorry you gave, we're quick to do this. I'm sorry you didn't give me enough change back, right? But we're less likely to go, well, you overpaid me $6. It's a little thing. I'm not going to worry about it. No, what that is is stealing. So this is a little thing. But I'm telling you, the little things begin to reveal a pattern of somebody who is acting foolish. Last one. You're invited to participate in an ungodly event. Do you go? That's an easy one. Should be. No. Uh, there's all kinds of ungodly events that you may be asked to, those of you that are still working, that you may be asked to go to. You have to make the decision. Is this something that Jesus would go to or he would approve of me going to, even though I know what it is? Um, that's something you have to work through. 
I think the Bible says somewhere avoid even the very form or the uh, the very appearance of evil. We got to be careful with that. All right. This is simple. This is added. Find out what pleases the Lord and do it. Ephesians 5:10. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That is the key. That's the key for the objective walk. Just ask what pleases the Lord and then do it. It's very simple. If you keep that out there in front of you, I bet you if you keep it out there in front of you all day and just whenever something comes along, uh, you, I think of this as situations in life, just think what would please the Lord right now. And I bet you we would all start making much better decisions in our lives. Now the question is, what about, um, what about Pastor Mike when it's not so clear? When the will of God is not, it doesn't say in the Bible on October 3rd you should go to, what do you do when that happens? This, by the way, does not work. You know, when you, when you flip it and you go, the woman was discerning and beautiful. <laughs> it doesn't, that doesn't work, right? So what do we do in those times? Enter Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to pray for or pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. In Romans chapter 8, Paul, in 8 through 30, he's, talked about the, he's talking about the future glory that we, wait, we await eagerly for the return of Christ and the redemption of our, of our salvation in 8.23, that we are saved in this hope, Romans 8.24, and in 8.25 that we're to wait with patience for this event. And when I look at the world today, brothers and sisters, I'm like, Lord Jesus, please come back. This place has gone nuts. But we have to wait. We have to wait. And he starts with our weakness. Here we go. Because next week we're going to get in in, 20, uh, in 27 and 28. It'll again talk about the will of the Lord. But I want to kind of throw it out here to, to, to start for next week. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Numa is the word for the Spirit, which is the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He helps us. Think of it this way. The Holy Spirit, particularly the word helps, joins us. We live in combination. We don't live in isolation. The Holy Spirit indwells us. He is joining us in this walk. So when you're walking, trying to do the objective will of God, he's right there with you. Say, no, you can't do it that way. You need to do it this way. Robert Mounts. And we're talking here now about prayer. Prayer has always been one of the great mysteries of the spiritual life. But we understand that God is listening. Well, we understand that God is listening, but we sense our inadequacy when it comes to knowing how to pray or exactly what we should pray for. I think that's true. So here you have a situation where you're not sure what to do. 
maybe take another job, maybe uh, move, maybe whatever it is, whatever the situation is, that, that, that doesn't say, Michael, please take up your family, and, you know, it's not in there, right? So you have to decide what is best. This is where this is vitally important. So when you're down there praying to God, and you simply don't know what to do, you absolutely do not know what to pray for. God, you know, both of these, this, uh, there's three possible scenarios here, and, and I'm not sure which, which, which one to do. Remember that the Holy Spirit is right with you. Douglas Moo, and I think, it's a, I think it's important when we're praying to remember that the Holy Spirit is in conjunction with us, which he is. What Paul apparently has in mind here is the inability to discern clearly God's will in many of the things in which we pray. Here's what you do. This is pastoral theology here. This is what you do. First of all, you wait. You just wait. Prayer doesn't always mean talking. It doesn't always mean that. Because if you're always talking, you can never listen. Prayer is sometime listening. Or better yet, I know, I know, brothers and sisters, because we're so impatient and we want an answer yesterday that we don't want to wait. I'm telling you, when you absolutely do not know what to pray, you be still be quiet and remain in a spirit of prayer. And that's one of the hardest things to do because your mind starts wandering when you but you just sit there and you just Holy Spirit, you could even say this if if you wanted to, Holy Spirit, speak to God on my behalf. I don't know what to pray. And then just sit and wait. The second thing which I think is absolutely true is you may not even get an answer that day. You may not even get an answer that week. You may not even get an answer this month. But oftentimes I've seen this, and I'm doing this from practical theology, is that when I don't know what to pray, God makes it abundantly clear. How does he do that? Watch your circumstances. Watch your circumstances. Back in October, I wanted to sign up to take this chaplaincy course up, in, uh, up at the hospital there in Kankakee. The course was $500. I said, God, I can't go unless I have the 500 bucks, so unless you provide it. And I got 500 bucks. didn't tell anybody. I got 500 bucks from a very unlikely source out of nowhere. But see, I wasn't going to try to finagle. I just said, God, this is, this is you. And... And it was, I'm telling you, it was nobody in this church, and it was none of my family. It was an unlikely source where we were given $500 in cash in an envelope. This is, I think this is, this pray, when you don't know what to pray, wait and watch. Wait and watch. Because... 
Some of the things that we do, some of the things that we do, we jump ahead. Right? I haven't heard from God. Boom! No, sorry, you should have waited because right up here is this coming. Right? I'm going to tell you, God, God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. Our weakness is that sometimes we simply don't know what to pray. But I'm telling you as your pastor, the best thing that you can do in those times is just wait and watch. Wait and watch. If you need leave with nothing else on the subject of will of God, wait and watch. And then, the last part of this, and then we're going to land this sermon. For we do not know what to pray for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Oide. Oide is we don't possess information. We don't have enough information. You know why we don't have enough information? Because we can't see beyond. Boy, think of it this way. If you could know all the up if you could uh, know the upcoming World Series winners and you could bet a lot of money on them, boy, you'd win a lot of money. The problem is we don't know, right? So that's the way we do our, that's the way we do our lives. Prosukamai is the word for pray. Listen to this. He says, we do not have an information to talk to God. Prosukamai, to talk to God. Because at the end of the day, when the dust settles, prayer is simply talking to God in whatever form you choose it to be, whether it's you, you hold it in and you talk to him, you vote vocal, you, you talk to him. But we, what he's saying here, in these times in our lives, we don't know exactly what to pray. So is it a good idea to be praying for things that we don't have an understanding of? Sometimes we pray earnestly, thinking it's God's will and it's never answered because we pray amiss. And also, this, this is absolutely true, too. Sometimes, be careful what you pray for, because you might actually get it. So, when you're definitely not sure, like me taking that course, I wasn't sure, so I said, all right, Lord, leave it up to you, and then, boom, 500 bucks. I think within two weeks. It was well before. Wow. Yeah, it was back in October, I remember it. I put a lot of scholars up there. Now I'm going to throw one of me up there. There will be times in our life, in our prayer life, when we simply do not know how to pray for God's will. Can I get a testimony? Yep. Simply, we, we don't know. We should not try to force prayer during these times, but rather just sit still. Just sit. Don't rush ahead. Don't lag behind. Just say, God, you need to reveal what the will is in this situation. My grandmother, Frazier, trying to remember this. She knew I got saved. She didn't know I went in the ministry. But for years and years and years of my life, she prayed that I would get saved. I did at 22. She knew that I was saved, but she didn't know how much her prayer would be answered. 
But brothers and sisters, she started praying that when I was a little kid. She told me. She got a Bible up there. She told me, I prayed for you. A lot. We go on here. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Thank God. Praise God. The Numa, the third person of a trinity, intercedes for little old me. He makes, and this literally what this word means, he makes a petition on our behalf. You understand it this way. This woman's praying for her friend. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit does for you. He prays for you on your behalf to Abba Father. When we don't know what to pray, I think that's pretty good. That's a pretty good hands to leave it in, right? The one that knows the Father and knows us, the Holy Spirit knows God, knows his will, knows us, knows the situation, and says, God, something needs to be done. And not just that this kind of moved me this week, with groanings too deep for words. The English Bible loses the translation. The, the, the New English Bible says it this way, through our groans. In other words, the New English Bible uh, says that it's us who, who groans. But no, the issue here is the Holy Spirit groans with groanings too deep for words. So the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep. And the word groaning means to sigh out of deep concern. When your friend, when you have a friend that asks you to pray for them, and it's something serious, you pray for them out of concern. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit does to us. He prays for us out of concern. The, the, the problem is we don't understand the language because it can't be uttered in words. This woman here is signing the worship song. For all of us that don't know signing, we can't understand it. It is only those who understand signing that know what the words are. And this is exactly what happens. We, you know, this is awesome. The Holy Spirit is concerned about me. He's concerned about you. He takes that concern and expresses it to the Father. Because he loves us. And there's this dialogue that happens around us. There's this dialogue between the Holy Spirit and God. Honestly, think that the Holy Spirit, when I said, I'd like to take that course, the Holy Spirit went to the Father and said, I think this is good. And all of a sudden, boom. That's just my example. You probably have examples too. But... Too deep for words cannot be understood in human. It's cryptic. It's a cryptic language. You'll never get it. We'll never get it until we get to heaven, and then we'll get, we'll get it, and we'll be praising him all the time. Let's start this new year off by saying, I want to focus on the will of God. I want to do God's will. I think that's part of the battle. That's a lot of the battle, just stating Lord, I want to live according to your will. A lot of things we know are God's will. Some things we do not. 
and in those realms turn it over to the Holy Spirit allow him to pray for you and to, to make the situation change secondly let's start thinking about the will of God more this year rather than just making decisions at will let's think okay what what would God want here just the, just that little back off just that little back off the accelerator would help us I think just that little back off um, okay what what about God's will thirdly when we are unsure simply just wait even if it's a big decision now if you can't wait on a decision because the decision so big I think God will reveal it to you when you need it let's focus this year on the will